Good morning. Long ago, in 1958, I encountered one of the verses in this scripture that we'll be reading this morning. It's like going back, except not to King James. Um, we're going to be reading from 1 Corinthians chapter 10, and in this, jumping into verse 6 to begin with. But there's some things that go on in the first five verses I want to just mention in passing and suggest that you do some research, some Bible reading this afternoon perhaps, what was going on that's referred back to by verse 6. Would you stand with me? Now these things occurred as examples to keep us from setting our hearts on evil things as they did. Do not be idolaters, as some of them were, as it is written. The people sat down to eat and drink and got got up to indulge in uh, pagan revelry. We should not commit sexual immorality, as some of them did. And in one day, 23,000 of them died. We should not test the Lord as some of them did and were killed by snakes. And do not grumble as some of them did and were killed by the destroying angels. Angel. These things happened to them as examples and were written down as warnings for us on whom the fulfillment of the ages has come. So if you think you're standing firm Be careful that you don't fall. No temptation has seized you except what is common to man. And God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you are tempted, he will also provide a way out so that you can stand up under it, under that temptation. The word of the Lord. Thank you for your attention. Thanks, Gail. Well, this is the uh, this will complete our series today um, on lies and truth's clothing. God won't give you more than you can handle. Have you ever heard anybody say that? Um, what it is, it's a distortion of a portion of the scripture that Gail read today, a misunderstanding what that says. But really, when you say it this way, what you're doing is you're telling a lie because it's just not true. And we, we hear this one probably more often in Christian circles than we would in the secular realm. Um, we have a tendency to say that to others in the church when they're going through the stuff of life at times. And so we give this advice to hurting people in their time of need, and I think we can end up causing more problems than we solve when we say that. Now, if you, if you feel like you're at a tipping point, um, that one more crazy setback would put you over the edge. When you're feeling overwhelmed, it's in those moments in life when we're at our wit's end, when we don't know what to do or where to turn, when we feel like we're not going to make it, that's when some well-meaning person 
comes along to, to try and help. They step in and tell you, oh, don't worry, everything's going to be okay because God will not give you more than you can handle. Sounds great, right? Kind of like last week when we said God wants you happy all the time. Sounds great. But it's not true. Scripture never says that anywhere. It's a, there's this false idea out there that by some anyway, that when you become a follower of Jesus Christ, life gets easier and you'll just never have anything in your life that you can't handle because we don't have to deal with that kind of stuff. None of you believe that, I can tell. <laughs> and in some ways, that, that sounds kind of right. And when you look at a passage of Scripture like Matthew chapter 11, verses 28 through 30, where Jesus said, Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. You might come away with the impression, well, yeah, we'll never have to deal with some of that really difficult stuff that people who don't follow Jesus have to deal with. And Jesus does. He says it's... His burden is light, and in many ways, that's certainly true. He promises to lighten our load. Unfortunately, so many have the the notion that when we put our faith in Jesus Christ, He kind of wraps us in this spiritual bubble and protects me from some of the harsh realities of life. I'm a Christian, so these tough things aren't supposed to happen to me. And yet I know many of you would say today, well, if that's true, then I've missed it somehow because I've been through some pretty tough stuff. And the passage that leads to this misconception, this misquote, what turns out to be a lie, is this. It's 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 12 and 13. So if you think you are standing firm, be careful that you don't fall. Now, as... Gail began to read from verse 6. It listed some of the um, sins that the people in the wilderness got caught up in. And uh, there were some pretty severe penalties for that. And so Paul is saying here, hey, don't get cocky. If you think that will never happen to you, you need to be careful. And then he says, by the way, No temptation has overtaken you except what is common to mankind. Um, You ever felt like what I'm going through? I'm the only person on the planet that has had to go through this. No temptation has overtaken you except what is common to mankind. God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you are tempted, He will also provide a way out so that you can endure it or provide a way of escape for you. So what He's saying is there's no reason for you to fall to to temptation. But we've made that say something else. God won't give you more than you can handle. So let's talk about what this passage really says. Well, first of all, the Apostle Paul is the one who wrote it. He he was a man familiar with suffering. And he reminds us that God is faithful. That He will not let us be tempted beyond what we can bear. 
And he's talking about temptation to sin. This is not about relieving us of the heavy burdens of life. He's referring specifically to temptation to sin here. Now, don't misunderstand. Following Jesus is amazing, but it's not always easy. And I think most of us know that. And here's a hard truth we need to grab hold of. God will absolutely give you more than you can handle. Actually, that's not a good way of saying it. But we'll get to that in just a moment. He will often allow you to have far more upon you than you could ever hope to handle on your own. He will allow you to be overwhelmed and come to the end of your own human resources. So this misquote is often spoken out of kindness, but is, I think, led or created unnecessary confusion and guilt. It suggests that God causes all adversity and trouble. God will never give you. That's what, that's what we say. God will never give you more than you can handle. That suggests that the trouble you're dealing with, God gave you. It's God who's giving you the pain and suffering that you're dealing with. So, this can lead to people being confused about who God is. Is He, is he an angry God weighing us down with pain? Or is He, as the Scripture says, a loving Father who has plans to prosper His people, a hope and a future for us? Maybe God doesn't care about what's going on in my life. Maybe He's left me to, his, to my own devices. If God never gives me more than I can handle, what's wrong with me that I can't handle this? And so this causes people to feel like failure. So when we find ourselves under unbearable pressure, facing difficulties in our lives, and then someone steps up and in an attempt to comfort us, tells us that God won't give us more than we can bear, then the only thing I can possibly conclude is that I'm broken because... I can't handle this. I can't bear this. My faith is weak or there is some sort of spiritual issue, obviously, that I'm not aware of because I'm just not able to handle this. See, this doesn't say God won't give you more than you can bear. That passage of Scripture does not say that. He says, He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear without providing a way out. That's the promise. And there's a difference between, be, between being burdened with circumstances, the circumstances of life, and being tempted to sin. Will He leave us overcome with temptation? No. Will God let us be overburdened? Yes. Now, a point of clarification here. The things we are not able to handle don't come from God. They come from unwise or sinful choices. They come from the fact that we live in a fallen world. Sometimes they come from other people's unwise or sinful choices or from the reality that life is hard sometimes. And things pile up to the point where we are overwhelmed and cannot handle it. So, God allows us to face more than we can handle, and He does it for a reason. 
He does it so we can learn, first of all, to depend on something other than ourselves. We're going to start by looking at an incident in Moses' life. It was one of a number of times when Moses felt overwhelmed. What he was dealing with was more than he could handle, and he basically says so. Let's, it's Numbers chapter 11. I'm going to read verses 4 through 6, and then portions that follow that. Then the foreign rabble who were traveling with the Israelites began to crave the good things of Egypt. And, and the people of Israel also began to complain. Oh, for some meat, they exclaimed. We remember the fish we used to eat for free in Egypt. We had all the cucumbers, melons, leeks, onions, and garlic we wanted. But now our appetites are gone. All we ever see is this manna. Then jumping down to verse 10. Moses heard the people of every family wailing at the entrance of their tents. The Lord became exceedingly angry, and Moses was troubled. He asked, Lord, why have you brought this trouble on your servant? What have I done to displease you that you would put the burden of all these people on me? Did I conceive all these people? Did I give them birth? Why do you tell me to carry them in my arms as a nurse carries an infant to the land you promised on oath to their ancestors? Where can I get meat for all these people? They keep wailing to me. Give us meat to eat. I cannot carry all these people by myself. The burden is too heavy for me. If this is how you're going to treat me, please go ahead and kill me. If I have found favor in your eyes, and do not let me face my own ruin. He's feeling pretty low at this point. I'd say Moses is feeling overwhelmed. And what if somebody had come up to him and said, Don't worry, Moses. You'll get through this after all. God won't give you more than you can handle. This was heavy. So much so that Moses wanted to die. This thing was crushing him. So he went to God. Good place to go when you're overwhelmed. And this is what God told him. Verse 16. The Lord says to Moses, said to Moses, Bring me seventy of Israel's elders who are known to you as leaders and officials among the people. Have them come to the tent of meeting that they may stand there with you. I will come down and speak with you there, and I will take some of the power of the Spirit that is on you and put it on them. They will share the burden of the people with you so that you will not have to carry it alone. Ooh, good idea. Learning to depend on something other than ourselves. Moses was the man of God. He was this incredible leader who had this intimate relationship with God, and yet he found himself dealing with an overwhelming problem that was much bigger than he could handle. God's solution? Don't try to carry this all by yourself. See, the answer, Moses, isn't in just what you can do. You need help. That flies in the face of what we're often told in our culture. We're told, you can do it. Everybody's a winner. Pull yourself up by your own bootstraps. You've got what it takes. Just tap into your inner potential. 
All you need is you. It's all about self-reliance. After all, here's another lie. God helps those who help themselves. If you find that reference, let me know. And, and, and um, you know, I grew up in the Northwest. And, and they say that this attitude tends to be more of a problem who's for those whose ancestors came west for, you know, the promised land out there, Oregon country as many call it. <clears throat> and there was this spirit of independence and do it yourself and make your own way and that same spirit they say is trickled down to the to those who still inhabit that part of the country today. That attitude apparently is one of the reasons that states like Oregon and Washington have some of the lowest church attendance numbers in the country. And what they're saying by that is, we don't need God. We can do it ourselves. And folks, nowhere does the Bible convey that message. In fact, it says quite the opposite. So, let's break down this idea of we need to depend on something others than ourselves. See, here's one of the things God wants us to learn. He wants us to, to re- learn to rely on God's power, on His power. Let me give you a couple examples from the life of the Apostle Paul. This is 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 7-9. through 9. Therefore, in order to keep me from being conceited, I was given a thorn in my flesh, a messenger of Satan to torment me. Three times I pleaded with the Lord to take it away from me. But he said to me, My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. God's power. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses, so that Christ's power may rest on me. So, I, you know, there's been lots of thought about, well, what was Paul's thorn in the flesh? We really don't know. Whatever it was, Paul asked God to take it away from him, and God said, no, I'm not doing it. But my grace is sufficient for what you're dealing with. My power can be shown through your weakness. When we rely on God's power, He will give us the encouragement and strength to go through any circumstance. 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 8 and 9. Paul again writing, We do not want you to be uninformed, brothers and sisters, about the trouble we experienced in the province of Asia. We were under great pressure, far beyond our ability to endure, overwhelmed. So that we despaired of life itself. Indeed, we felt we had received the sentence of death. But this happened that we might not rely on ourselves, but on God who raises the dead. God is powerful and He wants us to rely on His strength. We don't have the strength in ourselves to endure the troubles we're going to face in this world. We have to rely on God. So one of the reasons that the Lord allows us to face more than we can handle is that just like Paul, we might learn to rely on God's strength and not our own. David understood this. This need to depend on the power of God and not his own when he was facing the giant. 
living as a fugitive from King Saul, fleeing Jerusalem when his own son sought to usurp the throne. And this is what he wrote, Psalm 77, verses 1 and first part of verse 2. I cried out to the Lord for help. I cried out to God to hear me. When I was in distress, I sought the Lord. And in Psalm 55, verse 22, Cast your cares on the Lord, and He will sustain you. He will never let the righteous be shaken. Now the things we face, the things we cannot handle, may be different than those that Paul and David faced, but God does allow us to face our own overwhelming circumstances so that we can learn to rely on His power. Right? And then God allows us to face more than we can handle so that we can learn to carry each other's burdens. Again from Moses, what he experienced, Exodus chapter 18, beginning verse 17. Moses' father-in-law replied, what, are you do- what you are doing is not good. You and these people who come to you will only wear yourselves out. The work is too heavy for you. You you cannot handle it alone. Listen to me and I will give you some advice. And may God be with you. You must be the people's representative before God and bring their disputes to Him. Teach them His decrees and instructions and show them the way they are to live and how they are to behave. But select capable men from the people who fear God, trustworthy men who hate dishonest gain, and appoint them as officials over thousands, hundreds, fifties, and tens. Have them serve as judges for the people at all times, but have them bring every difficult case to you. The simple cases they can decide themselves. They will make your load lighter because they will share it with you. If you do this and God so commands, you will be able to stand the strain. And all these people will go home satisfied. Can you imagine Moses trying to deal with the issues of what they thought might have been two million people? Up to two million people? And so his father Jethro, father-in-law Jethro, under the inspiration of God said, Do these things that will make your load lighter because these that you select, that God has told you to select, will share the load with you. When the load becomes more than we can handle, we need others to come alongside and help make it lighter. That is something that should happen consistently in the church. And if I can brag a little bit, I think we do a pretty good job around here. Remember that song? Oh, I, I messed with a hymn last week. I'm going to mess with another favorite this week. On the Jericho Road. Remember that? It said, on the Jericho Road, there's room for just two, no more and no less than Jesus and you. Well, it sounds nice, but in my mind, it's bad theology. I would not argue that your relationship with Jesus is unique and personal. In that sense, it is just Jesus and you. We certainly want Jesus on the journey with us. In other words, we absolutely need God. But 
We also need each other. Did you know that in the New Testament, the phrases or words, I guess, are two words a phrase? I don't know. Anyway, the phrases or words, one another and each other, are used 52 times. That tells me it's Jesus and you, and you and others in the body of Christ. Did you get that? Jesus and you, but you and others in the body of Christ. Galatians 6.2 tells us that we are to carry each other's burdens, and in this way you will fulfill the law of Christ. And there it was, carry each other's burdens. A few more examples of passages where we're told that we need to be there for each other or one another. And different versions may read a little differently, but the concept is the same. They give us an idea of how we can carry each other's burdens and make the load lighter. First Corinthians chapter 10, verse 24. This is from the New Living. Don't be concerned for your own good, but for the good of others. 1 Corinthians 12, 25. This kind of begins in the middle of a thought, but it says, So that there should be no division in the body, but that its parts should have equal concern for each other. Galatians 5, 13 says, Serve one another humbly in love. Ephesians 4, 32 says, Be kind and compassionate to one another. 1 Thessalonians 5.11 Encourage one another and build each other up. James 5.16 Pray for each other. You know, sometimes we're going to face circumstances and burdens that we need to have Others help us carry. God has not designed us to be able to handle everything ourselves. That's why He wants us to be in the community, in the body of Christ, in the church with other people. And when we are in community, in relationship with others, we grow grow closer by helping to carry each other's burdens. If we're going to get through this life without being completely overwhelmed and Lacking in joy, we have got to be connected to others in the body of Christ and let others carry our burdens and help others carry theirs. Some of you may know the name or remember the name Reuben Welch. He was a Nazarene pastor, college professor, and chaplain and author. One of the books he wrote was entitled, We Really Do Need Each Other. The emphasis of that book was all about the one another and the each other. The importance of our Christian walk and dealing with the stuff of life that's more than we can bear in community within the context of the, of the body of Christ. It's, it's Jesus and me and we. God allows us to face more than we can handle so that we can learn to carry each other's burdens. And here's a P.S. on the end of this one. We need to be able to let others know what those burdens are so they can help us carry them. Um, that's sometimes hard for us to do. 
When, when we were in uh, pastoring in Eastern Oregon in Hermiston, um, we had a, a pretty um, active small group ministry. And I remember um, one of the leaders, we, I would have uh, small group leaders meetings once a month. And I remember um, a man who led a group, and it was all um, older people in his in his small group. And, and we always, you know, we spent time in prayer, we spent time in the Word, um, and we spent time sharing life. In other words, what are you dealing with? And he said, we do great in prayer, and we do great in the Word, but our people just won't share what's going on in their lives. And I, I think a lot of them in that age group had just grown up with this thought that you just don't, you just don't weigh other people down with your burdens. You just don't tell them that, that you're struggling with things. And, and over time, you know, that group began to soften and loosen up and begin to share the stuff. We've got to do that. God never intended us to walk through some of this tough stuff of life and just carry it on our own. And, and here's what happens. I remember, um, when I was going to some small group training one time, um, the, the, the guy leading it said, you know, this couple had a, a prodigal son who was, I mean, he was into deep stuff, big trouble. God got a hold of his life. He got saved, turned his life around. and But they really couldn't share it with anybody because nobody ever knew that their son was in trouble. They'd never talked about it. So when it got to the joy part about what God's done, it's like, huh? We didn't know that. We... We need to carry one another's burdens, but folks, when we have them, we need to be able to share them so that others can help us carry those burdens. And then we go through more than we can handle so that we can learn to prioritize our choices. Luke 10, 38-42. As Jesus and his disciples were on their way, he came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. She had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he said. But Martha was distracted by all the preparations she had to make. She came to him and asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do the work by myself? Tell her to help me. Martha, Martha, the Lord answered, you are worried and upset about many things, but few things are needed, or indeed only one. Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken away from her. So Martha is feeling overwhelmed with what she's doing. She wants her sister to help carry some of the burdens, so she turns to Jesus. Jesus, tell Mary to come help me. But Jesus teaches Martha here and us too that sometimes it's not that we need to rely on God's power to endure through a circumstance or even that we need the help of others to carry the load. But rather, we need to prioritize our choices. See, Martha's feeling the pressure of getting everything ready for company. we felt that pressure before, haven't we? She's stressed. She's overwhelmed. Mary, on the other hand, is she's doing nothing. She's sitting at the feet of Jesus, listening to what He says. She's taking in the very words of God into her life. See, 
Facing more than we can handle teaches you to say or instead of and. So instead of saying, I need to do this and this and this, we need to learn to prioritize and say, I can do this or this or this. Too often in the busyness of our lives, we try to do everything on the to-do list or career advancement list or church needs these jobs done list. And when we do that, a couple of things can happen. We can multi- multitask ourselves into mediocrity. In other words, do nothing well. Or we can allow the urgent to overpower the important. Martha, while she was, what she was doing was not bad, it wasn't wrong, it wasn't the best. Mary had chosen what was better. And Martha could have made the same choice. See, in this story, Mary was able to prioritize and choose the important over the urgent. The urgent was get the house ready. The important was sitting at the feet of Jesus. And sometimes when we're under the pressure, when we're under pressure, when we're overwhelmed, when we can't handle it all, we just need to learn to prioritize our choices, to determine that we will pay attention to the important over the urgent. I know that's not always easy to do. I find myself caught up in that trap sometimes. The urgent, that's what needs my attention. And we talked about it in Sunday school this morning. Taking time to be in prayer and give attention to the Word of God and meet with the body of Christ in worship. Because the important can pull us away from those things. I've got a list of important things this long I've got to do. So, listen, today, I just, well, thank you, God, bless me today, and on I go. And what we've done is we've shelved the important, excuse me, shelved the urgent for the important. God wants to teach us when we're under that kind of pressure to prioritize our choices. So, when dealing with more than we can handle, we need to prioritize our choices. It's this or this rather than this and this and this. God does allow us to deal with more than we can handle. He does that because He wants us to learn to depend on Him, on His power. He does that because He wants us to learn to carry each other's burdens. He does that so because He wants us to learn to prioritize our choices. Aren't you glad for the lessons God teaches us through the Scripture? You know, you look at, you look at some of these people like Moses, who I think, you know, I'm a spiritual midget compared to Moses. And look at what he dealt with. And how at times he felt overwhelmed. And the lessons that we learn from what Moses did and didn't do as God dealt with him in the circumstances of his life. Let's pray together. Father, thank you today, first of all, for helping us understand what the truth of Scripture says. 
that oft misquoted verse about temptation, God providing a way out that gets turned into God will never give you more than you can handle. And to know, first of all, that God allows those things in our lives. We do have more than we can handle. But Father, because you love us so much, you do that for a reason. It's a learning process in our lives. And help us to learn well. And help us to trust you. And help us to carry others' burdens and to share others' burdens. And help us, Lord God, when we have that long list of things in our lives that call so loudly for our attention, we're able to prioritize our choices and choose the best. Thank you for our time together today. It's been just a beautiful time to worship together as your people. Bless us now as we go with your grace and peace. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.